Chapter Fifteen of North Pole Voyages by the Harry A. Munch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: Lights and Shadows. During the two days following the return of Peterson and Godfrey, we spent our working hours in building a wall about our hut. It was made of frozen snow, sawed in blocks by our small saw. This wall served a double purpose that of breaking the wind from our hut and as a defence against the eskimo it gave our abode the appearance of a fort and we called it fort desolation john muttered better call it fort starvation this was in fact no unfitting designation our food was nearly gone those who alone could keep us from starving were seeking our lives a feeble flickering light made the darkness of our hut visible Darkness and dampness, and destitution were within, and without were fears. We could not be blamed, perhaps, if the death which threatened us seemed more desirable than life. Yet we could not forget him who had so often snatched us from the jaws of our enemies, cold, hunger, and savages, and we trusted him to again deliver us. And this he did. For the next day Kalutuna and other hunter appeared. They did not come as enemies, but as angel messengers of mercy from the All-Merciful. The chief was at first shy, nor could he so far lay aside the cowardice of conscious guilt as to lay down for a moment his harpoon, at other times left at the hut door. He brought, to conciliate us, a goodly piece of walrus meat, after spending an hour with us, he dashed out upon the ice on a moonlight hunt for bears. Peterson spent the day in making knives for the Eskimo, in anticipation of restored friendship. With an old file, he filed down some pieces of an iron hoop, punching rivet holes with the file, and whittling a handle from a fragment of the hope. Though the knife, when done, was not like one of the Rogers' best, it was no mean article for an Eskimo blubber and bear-meat knife. The next day, four sledges and six Eskimo made us a call. One of them was our old friend, the widow, with her bundle of birds under her arm. They were all shy at first, showing a knowledge, at least, of the wrong intended us. But we soon made them feel at home. It was indeed for our interest to do so. They bartered gladly walrus, seal, bear, and bird meat, a hundred pounds in all. It made a goodly pile, enough for four days. But alas, the duty of hospitality, which we could not wisely decline, compelled us to treat our guests with it, and they ate one-third. In three hours they were off toward Netlik. The next day an Eskimo man came from Northumberland Island, we had not seen him before, and he did not appear to have been in the council of the plotters against us. He sold us walrus meat, blubber, and fifty little sea-fowl. Our health, absolutely demanding a more generous diet, we ate three full meals, such as we had not had since leaving the ship. Our new friend's name was Kingiktok, which is, by interpretation, a rock. Mr. Rock was a man of few words, and of very civil behavior. We fancied him, and courted his favor by a few presents for himself and wife. 
they were gifts well bestowed for he at once opened his mouth in valuable and startling communications he said that he and his brother amalatok were the only two men in the tribe who were friendly to us amalatok was the man we met on northumberland island who will be remembered as skinning a bird so adroitly and offering us lumps of fat scraped from its breastbone with his thumbnail mr rock's talk ran thus he and his brother were in deadly hostility to sipsu the reason of this hostility was very curious the brother's wife whom we thought decidedly hag-like in her looks was accounted a witch why she was so regarded was not stated now the law of custom with this people is that witches may be put to death by any one who will do it by stealth she may be pounced upon from behind a hammock and a harpoon or any deadly weapon may deal the fatal blow in the back but a face-to-face -face execution was not allowed it was understood that sipsu assumed the office of executioner and was watching the favoring circumstances on the other hand the husband and his brother mr rock watched with courage and vigilance in behalf of the accused while she lacked neither in her own watching thus the family had no fraternal relations with the villagers though visits were exchanged between them concerning the conspiracy mr rock thus testified sipsu had for a long time counselled the tribe not to visit nor sell food to the white men holding that they could not kill the bear walrus and seal and would soon starve and so all the coveted things would fall into eskimo hands kalutuna on the other hand held that their booms guns could secure them any game and that our poverty of food was owing to a dislike of work there had arisen too a jealousy about the presents we gave sipsu's let alone policy caused his wife to complain that she only of the woman was without even a needle this drove him to a reluctant visit to us in which he got but little so the matter was not bettered besides this the condition of apparent starvation in which the visitors found us from time to time finally gave popularity to sipsu's position and kalutuna yielded to the older and stronger chief when peterson and godfrey arrived at netlik kalutuna went fifty miles to inform sipsu at his home of the good occasion offered to kill them sipsu was to lead the attack and kalutuna follow the arrangement was as we have stated but failed on account of sipsu's fear of the oilate pistol having failed his chagrin and anger led to the hot pursuit in which he intended to set the dogs upon our men but this failed when he saw how near he must himself venture to the boom this story agreed so well with what peterson and godfrey saw and suspected that we fully believed it mr rock left us in the morning and that evening eleven natives one of whom was kalutuna called upon us on their way from akba to netlik the angekuk was full of talk and smiles he gave us a quarter of a young bear for which we gave him one of peterson's hoop-iron knives he was not pleased with it for he had learned before the difference between iron and steel he attempted to cut a piece of frozen liver with it and it bent he then bent it in the form of a u 
and threw in spitefully away, grunting, no good. We satisfied him with a piece of wood to patch his sledge. Among our guests were two widows having each a child. One of the little ones was stripped to the skin and turned loose to root at liberty. It was three years old, and plainly the dirt upon its greasy skin had been accumulating just that length of time. One of the hunters was attended by his wife and two children, a girl, four, and boy, seven years old. The fat fires of the several families were soon in full blaze, which added to the heat of nineteen persons, warmed our hut as it was never warm before. The heat set the ceiling and walls dripping with the melted frostwork, and everything was wet or made damp. Besides, the air became insufferable with bad odors. It was now Fort Misery. But the frozen meat at which we had been nibbling was soon thrown aside for hot coffee, steaming stew, and thawed blubber. Strips of blubber varying from three inches to a foot in length and an inch thick circulate about the hut. Strips of bear and walrus also go round. These strips are seized with the fingers. The head is thrown back, and the mouth is opened. One end is thrust in a convenient distance. The teeth are closed. It is cut off at the lips, and the piece is swallowed quickly, with the least possible chewing, that dispatch may be made, and the process repeated. The seven-year-old boy stood against the post, astride a big chunk of walrus, naked to the waist, as all the guests were. He was sucking down in good style a strip of blubber, his face and hands besmeared with blood and fat, which ran in a purple stream off his chin, and from thence streamed over the shining skin below. Our disconsolate widow supped apart, as usual, on her supply of sea-fowls. Four, each about the size of a half-ground domestic hen, was all she appeared to be able to eat. We all ate, and had enough. Then followed freedom of talk, such as is wont to follow satisfied appetites, and jokes and songs went round. Godfrey amused the women and children with negro melodies, accompanied by a fancied banjo. Dr. Hayes and Kalutuna try to teach each other their languages. Bonsal looks on and helps. The chief is given yes and no, and taught what Eskimo words they stand for. He tries to pronounce them, says, Is and Noe, and inquiringly says, Tima, right? Dr. Hayes nods. Tima, with an encouraging smile, at which the chief laughs at the doctor's badly pronounced Eskimo. They try to count, and the Angekuk says, Une, for one, strains hard at two, for two, and fails utterly at the thi in three. The Dokti tries the Eskimo one, gets patted on the back with Tima, Tima, accompanied with merry laughs. The chief tries again, gets prompted by punches and ribs, and significant commendation in twitches of his left ear. Having reached ten, the Eskimo numerals are exhausted. Sontag, with the help of Peterson, questions one of the hunters about his people's astronomy. The result in part is as follows, and is very curious. The heavenly bodies are the spirits of deceased Eskimo, or of some of the lower animals. The sun and moon are brother and sister. The stars we call the dipper are reindeer. 
The stars of Orion's belt are hunters who have lost their way. The Pleiades are a pack of dogs in pursuit of a bear. The Aurora Borealis is caused by the spirits at play with one another. It has other teachings on the science of the heavens equally wise, but they are close observers of the movements of the stars. We went out at midnight to look after the dogs, and Peterson asked Kalutuna when they intended to go. He pointed to a star standing over Saunders Island in the south. Passing his finger slowly around to the west, he pointed another star, saying, When that star gets where the other is, we will start. Our guests at last lay down to sleep, but we could not lie down near them, nor allow them our blankets, so we watched out the night. End of chapter 15